Hello, and welcome to Chris's podcast, season two. We're going to sit around and talk about things and stuff this year and some other subjects. I literally, in this, in this kind of gray space, I had this big old spider <laughs> show up in visionary space. There was a spider crawling on me too, I think. I, I moved it off and it looked like a spider, it was dark. But I had this spider, it was kind of like my little spirit helper that was just like being like, oh my God, you can see me? You can see me? And it just was just running back and forth, so happy, kind of bouncing up and down. And I was like, I'm fucking tripping, but I'm just like, but it makes sense. Totally makes sense. I'm into like making strings. I'm really into like lenses and eyes. And I'm super vigilant. In today's interview, I talk with my cousin, Daniel Nielsen. We go into pre-verbal trauma and how that can affect us even without any memory of the traumatic event. He talks about his experience taking ayahuasca to go more deeply into his traumas in an effort to heal and grow from them. coming up lately you know 20 30 years later is is there like like i didn't think of it as trauma or i didn't see it as a traumatic thing or anything that i felt or had words about because i it was you know if you, in, in psychology they talk about pre-verbal trauma where where when something happens before you you have concepts and, and rational thoughts and, and words that name things it's just mm-hmm. kind of ball of, of like for me it's, it's this ball of nebulous darkness and 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 mm. in, in a way in which i i um i kind of fold myself and make myself smaller and and um, make myself just really easy going and, and like um um i'll just whatever i need and want i'll just suppress that and i'll just go along with whatever's the easiest for the situation now and and i think that probably comes from from just whatever was going on then, which I don't have a memory on, but, but I imagine like was having, if I would have been like a really annoying kid that needed a lot of attention and kind of like, um, you know, like my, I don't think my mom had the ability to, to do that at that time. And so, yeah. so I, I think as a kid, I was just pretty self going, self motivated. I could, um, I, you know, obviously did, was a baby and screamed and needed stuff. But in a lot of ways, <laughs> as, I, as a lot of ways as I grew up, I would just, you know, go turn over rocks and look at bugs or like peel crayons or do little projects for hours on end and not kind of need attention or emotional support, stuff like that. So I, I uh, you know. You kind of just started doing things on your own. You learned a lot. Yeah, I, I got yeah. fascinated by all sorts of random stuff and it's, and that might just be you know how I the soul that was called into that situation or however that happened but but yeah I've thought I, about it I mean sorry, sorry to interrupt you go ahead no no go ahead um 
I thought about your life in terms of like you know the fact that Jason died before and uh-huh. you know you don't have a you don't have a relationship with your father and um, it's just not an easy thing you know I mean I have a relationship with my dad I'm very similar like I just you know was go get go do it on my own type thing I had yeah. much more you know like you know my life so I'm gonna explain it to you but um, similar relationship in terms of just I'm gonna do it on my own type attitude came out of it you know. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I thought about when I look at your life. I'm like, no, that's, that's a, that's a interesting perspective. And I wanted to ask you a lot, that a lot. And I, Which know, perspective? Just I mean, knowing, like, like you're saying that like 20 years later now it's coming up as this, this sort of trauma that like was set into you at such a young age, right? Yeah. Like, that's what I kind of got out of what, what you said the most, you know, like, because um, it's a big thing, you know, your childhood and how it affects yeah. you. And, like, for you to jump right into that and say that, it's like, it's, um, you know, that's, it takes a no, lot I mean, of work to be able to just say that, you know, to know that that's the truth. Because it is, like, I've I've gone through a lot of things lately where I'm like, this is the truth, you know, like, this is the truth holy. of my life, right? Like what? What are the facts? Like these are the facts, right? And so, I, I mean, it's beyond it's beyond facts at that point because I've I've had to like growing. So so I moved to Sweden, grew up in Sweden, got Swedish education in the country. It's incredibly rational. It's like the country of the mind. You don't talk about feelings or intuition or kind of <laughs> things that don't yeah. make sense. Just don't make sense. Why would you? do things that don't make sense you know it's, it's a mm. lot of and, and and i also went to math and science education which is very like this is the fact this is the you know this is an observable fact everything else is just doesn't exist mm-hmm. um, and and like um where was i going with that no you're talking about your, <laughs> your education now so basically you're in sweden now you're you're talking about your education over there because i've been curious about that too what was your education like in sweden and like because you're smart and I mean, you I was, you could have done whatever you wanted. So how how did that feel coming out of, you know, like talk about that? Like what 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 was the most most purposeful thing you learned in your education system in Sweden? Oh fuck, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most purposeful thing. I don't uh, know something. You know, just like get, like you know, just get get into it. Like you know, because like it's very different I mean, than than ours because you came over here. We can talk about how you, you know, had college here, but, you know, what was it like? I mean, you just said it's very logical. and Well, I, I also had a, a, a very special um, kind of education, even in, in Sweden. Like, um, I was I was a, a very strange, nerdy kid that grew up without television and, and didn't really know how to relate that well to other children, and I was super sensitive. So any kind of perceived teasing from any other children would just, like, in like first grade, I, I wouldn't go to gym class because they would turn off the lights in the locker room and I would just freak out and cry. And then the kids would do that more because they're like, ha ha, sucker. Oh my God. <laughs> so like gym, I would just, I would just like walk, it was the last class of the day. So I would just walk home slowly and, and then show up at time on time oh. normally until, until like it took a while. Sweden is different than the U.S. as far as like, it has more of a village feel. They're not going to call home right away. They're not even yeah. maybe going to take role as the little first graders <laughs> until they were like, where the fuck is this kid? Yeah. 
<laughs> Why isn't he in class? And so, so finally my mom found out and then I changed schools. So I ended up in like a, a international school with a really good teacher um, who, who, and then, and then I tried fourth grade and I had a horrible teacher and the kids teased me and the teacher screamed at everyone and I was just freaking out. And so I went to Montessori school, fourth through sixth grade. And then seventh grade, I tried a different school because the Montessori school was over and got like bullied and pushed into a bus stop and shot out with like dried peas. They make these little, um, take the end of a balloon, tape it onto an empty toilet roll. And then mm-hmm. you could shoot dried, dried peas or kind of like mm-hmm. dried bonzo beans with like mm-hmm. a slingshot. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, I never went back there. And my mom, my mom did all of this. She like made it all happen. And she was just like, Hey, you need to help my son. And she just, fucking advocated for me and I'm really grateful for that because otherwise I could have just been I don't know just beat up my whole schooling and and thank mm. my mom for not that happening for her just being like a bulldog I'm like no you're gonna take your, mom, your mom is a bulldog for oh sure. my god yeah. yeah I have visions of your mom like doing you know like guys playing at like four in the morning because that's what time to do time to play four in the morning everyone play what? I don't, like, I don't know. Like I just picture <laughs> her. Like like your mom. Your mom was the ringleader of our our our. You know my yeah. my dad. Like all of them. Your mom was the ringleader, and they were a rowdy bunch. You know Oliver's in there. Yeah. And your mom was like, you know, she would she would get everyone going. Time to yeah, time, to then, do, time to do stuff. She was in charge. Yeah, and so she she was had no problem just like bulldozing bulldogging <laughs> yeah <laughs> me into uh you know different schools and then seventh through ninth grade was was terrific like I, it was french some french pedagogy pedagogy how you pronounce that um where like science education was a we would do a binder and it was just experiments so it would be a binder called air and you do different experiments about air and the makeup of atmosphere or you know and, and hmm. lighting things on fire and then making high hypothesis and then writing up a, 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 a you know a little a little paper about all the different experiments you did and it was very like self-motivated and it worked great for me it didn't work great for some kids because they were just like cool no one's making me do stuff <laughs> you know um, but just that really you could great. do what you wanted to and you were self-motivated yeah and I was super nerdy and really like I got you know I got a lot of um, you know I got feelings of self-worth and value from just being really good in school and, and doing what was expected and beyond um, mm-hmm. and then because of that and, and how, how, how old were you like what, what grade is that about Seventh through ninth, so you start when you're seven, so it's like fourteen through sixteen, okay. um, something like that. And then Swedish high school is is tenth uh, through twelfth grade. So it's three years. Every stage in Sweden is three years. And and the way they, if you got good grades in ninth grade, you get into you normally will go to the science oriented programs. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you know if you have worse grades, you get you kind of get shuttled into more of like trade or something that won't lead to being a doctor or, or an engineer or what okay. science scientist, which is what, you know, would come out of the program kind of, I went and went to, um, what was that school then, that you, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, yeah. Went, no, high school was awesome. It was, it yeah. was like Swedish high school at that point. I'd gone to, uh, came, I came over here. I'd gone to summer camp in the mountains, gone to Camp Unilay. I was like able to not, to be social and not be super sensitive. And, and so, and it was also just such a varied group of kids that there, there were all these different groups and no one was really giving each other shit. They were just existing, you know, like kind of hippie kids versus the socially engaged kids versus the uh, kind of more business, you know, you could see these people going to business school or something and, and already had kind of like slick back hair in a briefcase and, and 15 <laughs> <laughs> or 17, 16, 17. And here you are, this like Canadian raised English speaking goofball. Oh, I'd say, yeah. Not, I mean, I was I was living in Sweden since I was three at that point. So I, no, I had no, it was no Mexico, connection. Oh, really? No connection to Canada I was, uh, as far as, like, I lived there when I was one. I was one, I think. And then, yeah. So I was more American because we spoke English at home. And, and uh, yeah. anyway, so much science. I started uh, just... I kind of like, I don't know if I had a vision or what I had was just like, oh my God, this is going to lead me to kind of sit in front of a microscope or be a lab nerd or, you know, Mm -hmm. I I basically felt that that something was missing in my life. Like I was really good at rational thought and very bad at uh, understanding people and myself and my emotions and other people's emotions and social existence and, and, I, I knew that I needed to work on something else in my life. And, just, and how old were you about when that kind of... I mean, I graduated when I, was, when I was 18. Okay, so um, you were about 18 when that happened? Yeah. Uh, and then my stepdad broke his neck a year after and became quadriplegic. Uh, and I was actually over in the States working at summer camp at that at that point. I remember just getting this letter from my mom that said the worst has happened. Um, Ben broke his and fell off his bike and broke his neck and he was quadriplegic in the hospital, come home. Um, So I just was like, all right, boss, I got to leave. And went home and that was, you know, a whole turmoil and so much. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember, I remember being in the hospital and watching the Twin Towers. That's one of those like, where were you during nine eleven? I remember kind of. I, I didn't have a deep relationship with my with my stepdad. Um, just kind of hanging out by his bed in the hospital and trying to trying to talk to him. Um, yeah, it must have been intense. Yeah, it was intense. And then they, my mom and him, uh, didn't have a wonderful relationship to start with. And so they hmm. got they got divorced a few years after that. It was kind of just the, the um, catalyst um, for that. But, hmm. but then I, at, at that point, I'd gone, I kind of, I actually left during a lot of the turmoil. I went to, um, I think that's what you were getting at the school. For, it was a school for self-sufficiency in Sweden. Mm-hmm. They have these. They call them the People's University, and they're government-sponsored. You know, the sort of free schools that 
do a little bit of alternative programs and some of them will be music oriented and some will be like very craft and kind of old school blacksmithing or uh, this one specifically was like self-sufficiency, grow your own food, take care of your house, be able to, to build a little community where you're basically pretty close to self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I learned what a fucking pain in the ass it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how how amazing it is to have a societal structure that, 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 that like there's someone else planting food. It's insane. I'm like, Oh my God. It's, it's, uh, Give you respect for, for how hard it is to live a life. If you really have to do it on your own, that make you yeah. just be thankful for the food that's on your plate. So easily. Oh my God. And, and other people that, that are working to do that and making very little money exactly. doing that too, ruining their bodies. And, you know, um, thank you to all those people. So thank you. Yeah. So 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 then you you, you go go to college, right? At some point you come to the United States. When, how old were you moved here? Twenty. Again? Twenty. Actually, so so I finished that school, and I was like, it it was in a village of three hundred people, and so um, we just lived in houses in the village, and everyone that was young had moved out of town. They was went to went to Stockholm or went to some big town to pursue their dreams they weren't going to live in little podunk skatendine which is the name of the village um but i was like i'm going to stay here i'm just going to rent a little cabin it's 70 bucks a month to rent this little cabin in the freezing ass dark (laughs) snow uh then i came over to california and our cousin merlin was uh, at ucsc i came over to santa cruz to visit him and we've always had a really close relationship with bikes we biked through Europe on a tandem when we were 16 and 17, and we went to, we went to camp together um, yeah, on, on two long, long backpacking trips. One that was three weeks, and one that was four weeks as, as you know, teenagers. Um, and so I came over, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's sunny. There's people my age. People are talking about stuff that's going on in the world." music <laughs> an ocean Your mind was blown huh i was just like i have a choice i don't have to live in a tiny cabin in the dark Santa Cruz, yeah, by myself nice yeah so so i uh you know went home packed up my shit and, and got the next airplane back kind of and, and um yeah, yeah that's point... pretty much i mean off and on like like this has been your home base since, since that point. yeah all you, all you guys i mean your sisters in new york out in here totally totally and, this and, is great. Um, I love you know. I love having you guys here. This is awesome. So. Yeah, no, it's good. Good to be close um, to, to to family here. Yeah. Um. So. So college, you studied art, as far as I know. Yeah, but that was like much later, and and actually, the, the first time we're since we're getting into ayahuasca soon. Um, the first time I took mushrooms, and I could I say mushrooms got me over to a certain extent because. Merlin was like, you want any mushrooms? And I was like, okay. <laughs> Is it dangerous? <laughs> like, nah, don't worry about it. It'd be fine. <laughs> and so, so we went out into where all the UCSC students trip and Wilder Ranch, and it's just gorgeous. And I was like turning into a jaguar and climbing the cat and feeling my bones realign and becoming one with nature and singing to the, to the plants and just like – just like singing to these other people and just having one of those uh, amazing peak experiences of, of, mm-hmm. um, 
of oneness and blurred boundaries between my ego and, and everyone else's ego and everything else around me and, and mm. find, finding within that a, a glimpse of, of something beyond like what I thought reality was and what my mind had told me I am. Um, mm-hmm. so, so part of that was just like, Oh my God, I'm going to come back. This is possible. This is not going to happen in Sweden in my own, my own in the little dark cabin. I'm going to have some whole different experiences up there. Yeah. It's going to be like some solitude thinking there. Yeah. Style. Yeah. Yeah. I came over, I did a lot of, taught a lot of outdoor education. I worked at summer camp. Um, one of my outdoor education friends introduced me to this book called shouting at the sky. That was about wilderness therapy. Mm-hmm. And obviously everyone that goes into therapy, not everyone, but the cliche is you go into therapy because you want to understand yourself. And, and so if people who are therapists haven't done their own work on themselves, they tend to be pretty fucked up or have some unresolved issues that then become a problem in a therapeutic relationship or can become a problem. Yeah. Um, but, but obviously I wanted to go into um, a therapeutic relationship to deepen my understanding of myself mm-hmm. uh, and to, to, uh, you know, it just also sounded so like, uh, you know, it was written so well and it made it sound so amazing to make an influence, influence, uh, kids that are having a hard time in their life or in their family system or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, so I applied and got that job. And yeah, that job seems like a cool job. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, you, were, you did that for a while. did it on and off for a while. It was really hard because I, I had so many blind spots and so many boundary issues to where I would just take on everyone's problems like they'd have some conversation with me about whatever was going on in their life and I'd stay up at night thinking about mm. their life and trying to fix it you know doing the thing where I'm like oh I'm going to come up with the perfect solution I'm going to say the perfect thing that's going to change their life <laughs> oh man that sounds like a lot of responsibility and you're out there in the wilderness too you really can get deep uh yeah and, and uh, you know I just took that on that was not my job that's not what I'm no that's not how it works but but I I um that is something that that uh, obviously comes from a, a role that I've taken on in one way or another within the family um, as far as like making Picture. things flow. Yeah, making things more harmonious or trying to. Yeah. Uh, trying to manage people's emotions. Um, yeah, well, um, but you have to know what was the most gratifying thing that you got out of that? Out of that experience, you know, for you know, like working with kids like that out there, and that real, you know, kind of. Um, I mean, it's it's like a large, like a large part of it was was um, really the people's meeting some of the people I worked with um, mm. and also like there, there, there's a level of like like having experiences I remember sitting out in the desert it was this was a, a different organization I worked for but 
Um, sitting out in the desert with this kid just in silence, kind of like having this moment at sunset, just looking at out over these, it's called Shift Rock. Um, mm. It's out in the four corners towards, towards um, Farmington, Durango. It's called, uh, New Mexico, Colorado border. Utah, probably in Utah at that point. And just both kind of feeling hope or, you know, like I like feeling something shift that had nothing to do with with anything I was doing or except that I was present and I was not trying to change this this guy who was severely depressed and really struggling with meaning of life and, and like well, what is the point of it all and, and just just I d I don't know exactly I can't remember what he said or what what shifted in him but the, that noticeable energy shift of like almost like a little bit of a weight lifting and seeing some light of like, okay, mm. letting this blob of, of depressed squashed feelings and, and like, uh, like a, like a nice exhale. Finally. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Like, <sighs> like, Oh, I can, I can, I can breathe through the future now. Oh, it seems better. Or I, I, not I even the future. I'm just like, I'm here and I'm okay. Yeah. And but yeah. There's something, and there's something outside of me that isn't this, I think I say that because depression to me has a lot to do with the weight of the future on you. Uh huh. At least it did for me. You know. Say more. Well, I'm (laughs) just saying. I'm just saying that. You know, like I'm like I'm picturing like this kid being like, oh, like you know what? Like this moment is beautiful. I love this, and and I can see how I can get through other moments. You know, that might not be beautiful, but hey, here we are, right? Like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just. Depression is such a hard thing to talk about, yeah. To to relate to to whatever, fill in the blank. But no, and and it's it's uh, and it's it's tricky. Like I've been I've had depression too, and had times when I was just like, "Fuck, I just want to kill myself," and Mm -hmm. like that's uh, you know, um, there's there's like a shame around that. And there's an asking for help, but then when people, often people will try to argue with me, you know, <laughs> but, but the voice of the depression is, is so, it has, a, has a way to negate whatever hope anyone tries to give you. Like, like yeah, when, that's how, when how, it's strong, when you got that, like, you know, yeah. real heavy pit of sorrow in you and you're just like, oh, it's really hard to and someone will be like, there's um, hope. And you're like, no, there's no fucking hope. Fuck you. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just, don't, tell me, it's like, don't, don't tell me that bullshit. Like, you need the primer. Like, the, 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 the environment the kid was in, he was with you. It was the primer to where he could go, he could exhale finally, you know? I mean, it, 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 and it's just, a, it's just a little bit, you know? Um, but, yeah, that seems like a very gratifying moment to me. Um, yeah, and, and, and stuff like that, you know, like that's kind of what I was imagining that you must have had experiences like that, where it was like, you know, you, you altered people's path in a, yeah. such a subtle, subtle way, but it's like, it means so much. Like just people, everyone, you know, lives as people that have altered their path that they, you know, maybe they, you know, it's, like, it's a hard thing to tell someone that actually, you know, like a lot of people I would tell that too, but you know, like, hey, it really helped me when you were like, hey, do this. 
but it's 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 like you you do it so like that was your main job like when i think about the one job that you've had and i can point to you know you're, you're a counselor and camp guy you know yeah apart from just fixing shit and building random stuff yeah I mean, family you, know? you constantly work you know you do not stop doing stuff that's for sure but like in terms of like you know i think you might have gotten some w2s from that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway totally. so is there anything in college in particular you want to talk about before you go on to your deciding that you know you're going to take trips down to south america and you know, I mean, this is this is all part of it, because like going into wilderness therapy was trying to figure stuff out. I was like and I'd mm-hmm. already gone to Camp Inole and I already had this relationship with with wild places and kind of the freedom and the liberty from societal norms, from from kind of oppressive ways that you're supposed to be that you get to have out there in a small group of, of friends where you're just like. No one's no one's watching. We get to make it up. We get to have fun and we get to enjoy being alive without having to do anything else than walk from one lake to the next lake and have a fire and cook our food and we have mm-hmm. to carry our shit, which is, you know, heavy. But, but, um, like I already had that relationship. So obviously wilderness therapy was something I, I believed in. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously that, that whole business is fraught with capitalism and with, with, um, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, Within that, I obviously bumped into myself, like the mirrors of what kids were going through would bring up stuff in me that I couldn't even name and couldn't recognize and didn't know what was going on. But I was like, something's going on and I need therapy. Mm. Um, and and I was talking to another friend at that point and he was talking about like, he was in, in grad school at this uh, transpersonal Buddhist um, college, university called Naropa in, in Boulder. Um, and he was like, yeah, I, I totally recommend therapy. And I'm like, I don't need therapy. I'm not crazy. What do I mean? I, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, no. <laughs> just, just like, I just recommend it to everyone. It's personal growth is kind of understanding what's going on with you and your relationships with other people. I love it. I, I love, I love therapy. Yeah, go ahead. What did you say? With white people that you said? No, the relationship <laughs> to other people. And, other people, okay. And yourself and everything. But... That's that's interesting too. Yeah, therapy's terrific. <laughs> if you have if you have a good therapist that you connect with, I you know. I I have had wonderful experiences with therapists my whole life. That's much. great. All of them, I would say. Oh fuck, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, because I, I definitely like teenagers will sometimes start doing therapy and, and will hate it you know they'll just rebel against their therapist or the therapist will say some shit to them like i've worked with therapists mm-hmm. and i was like well, what are you trying to do with this poor kid i got introduced to at a really young age because of my dad's accident and oh really yeah i, I was in therapy a lot and then i was divorced they were asking all kinds of deep questions i remember scaring them because i was like i don't really care if they get divorced <laughs> and then like around his accident I was like I was actually you know the thought of him not being around relieved me and they were like oh that's a little and I was like well it's honest <laughs> they were like, yeah there is honest yeah yeah I was like I remember it very clearly I'm just talking I, about the tension that is between yeah, us and how difficult yeah. it is for me yeah there's been a few moments in my life where I needed therapy and it was always the right people that were right in front of me and it worked out well so. yeah 
You have that's, to be open to it. That's, I think that's, that's how it works. You kind of yeah, we're all in. yeah. So, um, so, so, that, so yeah. So, so that got you thinking about what you did. Well, you've done mushrooms in high school, and you're out working with kids, and you're. And well, I, I had I, I was I was there, and I was thinking about like I need to find someone, and it's always kind of that's a lot for a lot of people. I think one of the and for me too, at times when you're when I'm having a hard time, one of the most intimidating parts of finding a therapist is actually finding a therapist and making that choice and making that leap, um, and and kind of committing or even just searching, because you're just like, who are they going to be? I have to talk to them about my difficult stuff. I have to show myself. I have to open up. I have to, you know, like I want this, but I also I'm really kind of afraid, and I don't know if it's going to work. And uh, I have to Google it online or I have to just call someone or I have to ask around. There's so many things like, how do I, how do I even do it? But yeah, like, where do I start? I like put it out in the world. A lot of things, yeah. yeah. And during one in-service, this guy just walked in and I was just like, I, I, he just kind of was this wild coyote looking guy with a headband and just like, really wild, wide looking, soft spoken guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he, you, I looked in his eyes. I was like, yep. Yeah. And I, I went and talked to him. I was like, do you see people privately? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I was like nothing, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not crazy. I just need to like, do, you know, figure stuff out for myself. And he's like, perfect. <laughs> That's what <laughs> so therapy's kind for. Of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just so, and, and it was great too, because I go, I go, you work a week on, you out for a week, and then you have a week off. So after mm-hmm. every shift, usually I'd go see him, and some of the stuff would be talking about what had happened. But a lot of his, he did a very kind of thematic approach, which was perfect for me because I'm so heady. And he just was the first person to start teaching me to, like, sense my body and know that my body existed and that I couldn't just experience the world through rational concepts, but that my body was a sensing, alive part of me. That mm. had con, you know, that it has consciousness, that it can teach me things, that I can go into a, a a gut feeling and describe it and go like, what is inside of this hard, tight knot? I'm gonna sit with that. I'm gonna breathe into it and see what comes out. And I'm gonna be aware and pay attention. I was like, and I was useless at it. Like even recognizing from the get go, like the, the the quality of it or the feeling of figuring it out. Um. Mm. And so, so like it was, you know, that, that came up and like, I, I think, I don't know when it happened or how it happened. I don't think it matters, but at some point or another, I definitely like decapitated myself and decided to just live in my head because kind of living in my felt body senses was too difficult or too painful. And, and the way to get out of that was just to be, to rationalize. Uh, that was the tool that, that, that mm-hmm. I picked. Um, so that was just, you know, I did it, I, I saw him for on and off for a year because I, I worked there. I only maybe worked 90 days in that place, but, but I took a lot of time off <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, because it was, it was hard. Um, yeah. And, and for me too, like, as far as I, I always struggled with kind of erectile dysfunction stuff. And that also ties in with cutting my body off. And so I started mm-hmm. going into that at that point and, and continued to throughout the therapy and just 
um, learning to live with the shame of being a man and having my dad be a dick to hurt my mom and all of the things that are tied up in that, and all the mm-hmm. internalized parts of, of patriarchy that I've, that I've taken in as myself where I'm like, man, are rapists and then are, you know, asshole egomaniacal <laughs> tyrants and they, they are violent and do all this, this horrible stuff that I'm like, and I am one. I don't want to be one. Mm. Shit, I'm just going to push everything down and, like, you know, castrate myself and, or whatnot. Yeah, I can of. see. Yeah, I can see how, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Deep. This is just going to drop the depth bombs here. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like, because, I mean, we're going into, um, I mean, I feel like you're at a point in your life now where, not like we're ever beyond anything at any point, but you are you're centered and happy when I when I am around you in your life. And and there's you know, you're talking you know, you're talking about a deep point in your life where you're you were at your low point of you know, of whatever a low point means in the perspective of things. Um No, I was I was on a great point then too. Were you? Yeah. But I mean, what were your, your what were your good, great point? That, yeah. But actually, when you when you say all these things, like whenever I see you, Daniel, you always strike me as someone that's very centered, and like, you know what I mean, like you just and who you are, and um, yeah. So you started like 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 how old were you when you were? Is this after college? Who did wilderness therapy? Yeah. No, I, I did it. I. I my college years have been so many different things as far as like, what am I going to do? What is my career? What do I want to do? And so I done, yeah. you know, I done some community college and done some field biology classes and English got some of the prereqs out of the way. I did a photo class, um, which I really liked. And one of my friends kind of encouraged me. He was like, you know, you got a, you got an aesthetic and you got an eye. You should, you should do this. And I was like, okay, cool. And, and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and that was that was part of the art kind of push was not you know was from my friend. Hmm. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I remember you were up in were you Oregon? What school was? Oh, for art school? No, no Denver. Denver. Okay, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say, as far as like low points in my life, I mean, like even going through all this stuff and and having. It was, you know, it's, it's all like in hindsight, I can make a narrative of it. But mm-hmm. in, in, during the experience, I was like, this is how I am. This is all I'm aware of. Totally. <laughs> and and, and uh, I was feeling great and I wasn't aware that there could be more and that like, that like life could be so incredibly much more rich. I had an inkling and I had a hunch. Otherwise, I wouldn't have decided to to do all this work and kind of lo- do all this introspection and and um, do psychedelics as as medicine rather than just as, as a uh, party drug or like you know I, I um, you know even even like I've had I've had um, teachers that have helped me integrate and and work with that experience even before I, I um, was called to do to to. Uh, kind of explore ayahuasca and um, mm. what that was. And actually I was my first therapist who, who uh, I was like, you know, I've been really wanting to take some mushrooms since 
And, you know, I, I'm wondering what you, how you feel about that. And it's like, yeah, cool. You know, yeah, I could, we could set up an experience and like, um, you could go out and do that and then you come back and integrate and you could have an intention that we could talk about together. And then you go do your thing and come back. And I was like, cool. That's amazing. Awesome. I have a therapist into psychedelics. Mm. Um, and, and, um, so, so through that wilderness therapy kind of connection and experience, I've met people that also are, are into, I mean, like now it's, it's, it's all the rage in, in mental health is definitely like Michael Pollan's book and um, MAPS that is, um, that is the, the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies and kind of the, the sponsoring of um, taking MDMA in, a, in conjunction with therapy for, for complex PTSD mm-hmm. um, and, and um, having great results. And so there's a lot of psychedelic evangelism right now <laughs> as far as like the magic thing that's going to do it. Yeah, that's how it's everything just, is. Like, yeah. It's new. There's the whole – it's got a new on it. It's you know, novel. Novel, but it's you know it's, it's also left over from the the, the the research started in the in the good old sixties. Yeah, and, and it's all how off. you it's all how you go about mind altering substances. What what you are getting out of it, you know? It's, you definitely have realized. So um, yeah, go go into that if you want. If you want to get go just into ayahuasca now. Pretty much, or is there anything else I mean, you want to t- touch on from your like days before I've, your first trip down there? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, there, there. I'd say like, you know, it was during my shit. I have to think about how long ago it was. Four years ago, something like that. So maybe five years ago, I was living in, uh, on Merlin's property in the tents, and I was kind of not doing super well. At uh, one point or another, I'd broken up or I was heartbroken or I don't know if that was the time. I've had that's happened a few times for sure. Mm. Uh, um, but but I, so I was just like, I was looking for any substance. I was just, you know, trolling the, the online forums of just like, what about this substance? What about ketamine? What about 2CB? What about 2CBE? What about, you know, mm. <laughs> like, like, uh, what about DMT? What about, uh, massive doses of mushrooms? I just need something. I'm like, I'm not alive. I don't feel uh, excited about existing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm just, I feel stuck and shitty. And so I just I tried all these different things. Um, and, you know, I, I tried good old pure DMT and it didn't really do anything. And I figured out that I had to, like, smoke it with a special pipe and get enough until you, like, basically die and blast off out of your body and fly into, like, blue flop space. Which That doesn't sound fun. I didn't enjoy it. Some people really do. I I feel like it's, it's just a – it was, like, for me, holding that kind of plastic-tasting smoking – um, you have to hold it, your breath until you, you, you're just like kind of your consciousness changes and you start seeing, they call it a veil in the psychonaut literature. Where it's the, the kind of interwoven uh, pattern colors of neon, wow, 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 little 
little things and then you go through that and then you're basically disembodied you know like like I often could not I, I only kind of did that two or three times because it's just like holding your breath until you you think you're going to die I felt that I was going to die yeah, that because, doesn't because sound, that, does, that sounds wrong to me <laughs> it's it's very um it feels a little bit like i'm not supposed to see this yet i have a body in this life and i am alive still and when i die maybe this is where i go maybe it's not maybe i get this this like graphic massive overview that 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 i could see time and space all squashed together mixed with my psyche and my path and all of this other stuff I have no conceptual understanding of, um, but, but anyway, nothing was, uh, nothing was quite doing it that much. And, you know, I somehow or another, I came across my old therapist again and I traded some electrical work for like a session with MDMA um, and it was, it wasn't like mind altering. It was pleasant. It was, I got to enjoy being in my body and feeling strong and alive and, and secure and kind of okay with myself, not have this mm-hmm. nagging feeling like I, I am wrong or I shouldn't exist or like that was often underneath a lot of stuff in my life. And I wasn't aware of it, but mm-hmm. it would be something that would shut me down and keep me from, you know, totally experiencing the moment. Totally. Um, but he talked about um, his experience at this at this place in Mayantiyaku in Peru mm-hmm. about the, the specific shaman and, and kind of recommended it and talked about this how deep it was and how mystical and spiritual and, and and how much it kind of changed him. And then years this may might have been earlier, I don't know, but years later I contacted him and I was like, hey, you want to go down? Let's go down together. And he's like, ah, eh, no, but here's the name of the email. I'll just contact them. And I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm, I, I, I was really just really like a certain level of fuck it. I, I need some help and I need to kind of be destroyed a little bit. I mean, my ego just kind of dissolved because Otherwise, I'm going to destroy myself with my own internal chatter. Hmm. Um, and Or I'm just going to be stuck in, in, I'm so, you know how the psyche kind of builds tricks to trick yourself to not change. Like it's always doing something that you know is good for you is always the hardest thing to do, even though you know it's the right thing. And you're just like, but then your psyche just goes Oh no, that's not actually good. Or you know, there's a reason you do that later. I just don't, look over there. Look over there. That's a cool thing. You should be. You should, you should go over there. <laughs> totally. There's a, the, this, yeah. There's the, the internal dialogue has so many ways of distracting you, and so many ways of keeping you doing the same thing and acting the same way because totally. it's the easiest and the most comfortable and the least uh, expenditure of energy. And whereas, like. You know, like I know I need to kind of open up and experience relationship or experience kind of my heart or love and stuff like that. I'm like, but I don't know how to do that. And that's scary. And uh, let's just do the same thing again. <laughs> yeah, these, deep, <laughs> these, deep, these deeper questions. 
Yeah. And, and in the meantime, you're dealing with like, like your job. Like I said, your one main job is um, dealing with young people and very, you know, touchy points oh, no, in their I, life. I quit that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm saying it's it's in your past. It's in your bones. It's who you are, right? Like it's not like you're like hiding from life with all of your, you know, like you're you're charging full on into it, dealing with it. And grappling with all this, mm-hmm. like, is this, it's a lot of stuff to have your dad reject who you are and, like, not be around, you know? Like, if I would be really pissed at my daddy did that. I'd be un- un- living, you know? For sure, I would. And, huh. yeah, I you know, like, I, it's one thing I've always known about my dad. He's going to be there for me. He yeah. loved us. And, he's gonna like, I knew he would never leave us. As much as I thought he was not the funnest guy to be around when I was a kid. I knew, I knew Pops was there, you know? <laughs> this is, yeah. That's yeah how he's I pretty solid. Yeah, he's going to help you. Yeah. Might be a little grumpy, but he's going to help you. So, for you to go through that, that's, you know, it's not light. It's heavy. Oh. It's like, because it's not like your dad would, like, died. Like, like I thought about my dad dying a lot my whole life. My dad could have died in front of me when I was eight years old, so it's like, oh. Uh-huh parallel universe my dad dead how would i feel about him you know <laughs> like, uh, and i've asked myself that question a lot my entire life but definitely weekly if not daily you know um more lately and well you know whatever i just it's like for you to be going into all this and knowing that you're grappling with something and that's inside you know that's that thing that's chattering Right. I mean, that's the thing that's making a lot of the distractions. That's what's making the gut go, oh, you know, like, am I lovable? Oh, right. I mean, it's that's a cool that's a cool reflection because honestly, I I I don't think I've dealt with it. <laughs> no. That's, that's oh yeah no that's still something. Yeah, I feel like you do kind of shut the conversation down. Um, we're having a podcast and we're talking about it now, so we're going to dialogue. But you had to have thought about it in those moments. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've touched on it, but like, um, usually I touch on it, and the way I shut it down is like, oh, it's not a big deal. I've had other father figures, I've had other men in my life, uh, but to hear you kind of frame it as like, oh, he just didn't. I don't know. He chose to not be there. I don't know. I don't want to sound like mean when I'm saying yeah. that, but that's that's. That's what yeah. that that's what I would be pissed about if I was you. I would be like, I wouldn't care if he couldn't be there because he was psychologically unable to. Um, that's a whole other different ball game, you know. It's like, you know, the first your older brother. Mm-hmm. He he lived through that, and you know you lived of it in a way. I don't know. You didn't have to like witness it and carry it a lot but you carried you know you you live with the people that carry that those emotions forever you know like it's it's something that i know about and um we've never talked about much it's a big thing you know like i wish i would have had you know a brother and to have lost a brother seems really really hard 
and yeah. you know, never have never have known a brother that you lost seems confusingly <laughs> hard to me. Like, it, like it, am I supposed to feel bad about this? I know it's definitely it's definitely a confusing thing because when I go into it, it's just it's just a it's just a it's just a mess of like colors and flavors and indistinct yeah. indistinct psychological internal landscapes that that have no. Uh, I'm just like I don't know. This doesn't feel good, but I don't know what's going on in here. <laughs> Yeah, it's an evolving it's an evolving emotion for sure on that one. I would say. I mean, I yeah, no, but I really I appreciate you uh, reflecting reflecting that back. I mean, like uh, what comes up around my dad is not not as much uh, anger as much as it's kind of like I feel myself peering up a little, and just like, yeah, like sadness. Of, yeah, of like what could have been or or um, you know. No, I, 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 I can totally see why you would feel that way. Yeah. So then, I don't, I don't want to just jump to, you know. No, don't jump with, ahead. I, I, let's jump. Let's jump. Yeah. Because all of this is evolving, and it takes, you know, like. Yeah, like like, yeah, like decades. Kinda, yeah, exactly. Like I feel like we're about to have a conversation about you taking a drug that, you know, is really only taken for deeply going into your, who you are and what, like, just, it, it's not meant to just have fun with type thing, you know? <laughs> if you're just having fun with all these type of drugs, you got other issues than the issue you're trying to fix, right? So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to, um, like, the, the the problem and and the, the the reason kind of why I'm, like, almost dancing around talking about it is because, is because, um, It, it's just like having a, a, it's a spiritual experience and it's a nonverbal experience. It, the English language does a very bad job of describing, of having words to describe what that's like and, and what it's like is also um, undefinable in a way. Like whenever I, I would think that I, I was like, Oh, I know ayahuasca. Yeah. I totally know what's up. And then I'd be like, no, I have no fucking clue what's going to come out of them. What's going to, I, I, I refer to ayahuasca as, as, as them. Um, the, 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 the spirit being uh, kind of two spirited where it is both masculine and feminine. It's, it's a mix of two plants mm-hmm. um, where chemically they synergistically interact with each other to, to give you the, the experience of, of one, one plant, which is the uh, the chakruna, um, is is has the is high in DMT, so it produces kind of the visions and the visionary landscapes and the colors. Whereas um, the the vine, which is ayahuasca vine, is is what um, slows it down, slows down the break breakdown of DMT. So like if you smoke DMT, it lasts ten minutes or something. Take ayahuasca, mm-hmm. lasts between three and five hours depending on how much you take or how long or depending on who knows what like i've i've sat down there and i've i've done a whole ceremony um where where nothing happened everyone leaves the the maloka which is the the kind of um open it's it has open walls as low walls and then it has a thatched roof but it's kind of mm-hmm. a, the, the the ceremonial container to keep you safe and together and protected from 
uh, from either just wandering off into into the river or, or anything else. But but everyone left, and then boom, I was like, oh, here it is. Here's ayahuasca. Okay, now I'm going to be here alone for four hours, just like having my experience with with this plant. Um, that, was that but, the first time you ever took it? No, no, no. Uh, it was it was I don't know what number, but I went down there. So this place is called Mayantiyaku, and it's kind of the the one one florist is the the shaman, who's um he's been it, it's really interesting because he's he just dresses in jeans and a t-shirt, but then photographers come and like people come and he dresses up in ceremonial traditional garb and puts on feathers and does photo shoots, and so he's been on you know the cover of of uh, National Geographic and and uh, and uh, uh, had stuff, you know, had articles written about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I like, he was recommended because he has integrity and he's not, he, he's very clean. There's ways to, to work with ayahuasca that could, that you can harm people and you can poison people and your ego can come out in ways when you're holding space for ceremony that, that um, doesn't help people and, and helps people become more delusional, I think, or, or, Sometimes, uh, very often, it, it, it happens where, where you know, like it becomes mixed up in sexual things, and there's the the mix of power and someone coming down that's that's speaking that's in pain, and and you know, it, it gets mixed up with with sexual mm-hmm. uh, stuff and the power dynamics of shaman versus ayahuasca forest or client or. Healer, heal, heal, someone needing healing, yeah. and, and actually, last time I went down, his son uh, was doing weird stuff like that. So I was, I went to talk to him, and I was kind of like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to come back. I'm, probably, I'm not going to come back because this feels kind of not good, and I'm not okay with it. And it feels like a, he, he should be, you know, dating at a nightclub, not trying to date people that are in pain, and kind of with the addition of this, of this. And it, it was cool. He heard us out, and obviously it's his son too. And he, you know, it's it's such an it's such a different culture. Yeah, and such a different um, worldview. As yeah. far as how, like how, living in the jungle and having, I mean, the shit they've been through intergenerationally of 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 just the plundering and the destruction and the the rape of the jungle and of the people through different layers of layers of conquistadors and rubber booms. Where exactly are you talking about right now? Like geographically, can you describe it kind of quick? Uh, It's called Pucalpa is the town. And then it's in Peru. It's in Peru. So it's uh, gotta be, you know, east of the Andes on the edge of the Amazon. And so, you know, logging, cattle has taken over a lot of stuff. Rubber happened a lot. They're trying to, you know, anything that they can make money off of. Like Peru is a very, very poor country. And, and you know, now ayahuasca has become a very lucrative business too. And it's become a business. And it's, and it's uh, more or less ethical. And, and, you know, at this point too, Peruvian ayahuasca is being cut down for Western tourists. To, to come and work on their issues. <laughs> so, uh, how do I, I was gonna I, I was gonna jump into that. How do 
do people feel about that? All these kind of like Western people coming down and they being like, I got to fix my shit. I'm out here in the jungle. Have you had any conversations with the locals about, you know, that? Um, the, not with, not with, the. I haven't talked with the locals about it that much. Um, it's, it's, uh, like, like, um, there's a like for one he's definitely got kind of a like i don't know how like this this person lives in a different world where he he's talking to plants he's literally speaking plant language and and it's beyond my conceptual understanding i'm beginning to kind of learn to speak ayahuasca plants and 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 kind of like trust that it's communicating with me that, that that it has an intelligence and i'm not just projecting because that's the that's the danger is you know people come yeah. out and they're like i am jesus you know i felt like jesus you know i am the reincarnation of the greatest thing ever and i've got the gospel to spread and like you're just like wait no that's that, that's not the plan that's you know like there's so many things i've had like that where i'm like i have to distinguish between my own delusions of grandeur or my own self-hatred versus the voice of of uh, of the plant and and so that that he, he, that's I think where he gets a lot of intelligence is he literally asks the spirits like what should I do like how do I deal with this time that I'm in what's the what is the best for for the plants basically mm-hmm. and and so I think he you know the money that that large amount of money that goes into that specific place goes into kind of protecting the land and and legal fees of just like we got to protect this and we got to keep it from at least that's understanding I have and and what I've been told. And, and so there is a both and there. And for me, like where I'm at now, the interesting thing is like I could take mushrooms and I've had so many times where I could take mushrooms and and ayahuasca comes through. Like I feel the, the, that energy and that spirit that is there through the mushrooms or, uh, the, the, my three favorite plants are, are you know, psychedelic mushrooms, um, uh, San Pedro cactus, mm-hmm. um, which is mescaline containing. So it's related to peyote. And I'm, I've never done peyote out of, it's another one that's endangered and has been like, people are just going to go pick them out of the desert and it takes four years to grow. And all these mm-hmm. indigenous people that, that have it as their religion and as, as a deeply spiritual thing are basically getting robbed for kind of a, you know, some college kids coming down to, to work on yeah. stuff. So like I could grow San Pedro myself and grows a, a, like a foot a year and, mm. and you eat a foot and that's a perfectly deep and adequate and wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm at the point, like I haven't, I went down with my partner Two years ago, a little over two years ago, and you know it tore her apart. It tore me up in different ways, mm-hmm. and and like it was actually not even the ayahuasca as much to tore her apart as much as this other purgative plant that that, that really um, just kind of cuts out. Stuff that's not working in a very aggressive way 
that, that mm. you know, lead to for her kind of, um, a, you know, a spiritual emergency or like a psychological emergency almost. Mm. And and since then, I I haven't actually drank ayahuasca um, and haven't felt the need to, and, and I'm still integrating. And there's still days where I'm like, oh, that vision of that bird in the cage inside of my chest, that meant this, you know, like mm. where it comes through years later where I'm like, it clicks. And it leave, it must leave you with a lot to unpack the experiences. You know? Well, I, I feel like, I mean, everyone has a different relationship of what they do with these experiences and how they analyze them or don't. And I feel like if I was, if I let my analytical part of myself get in there, it mm-hmm. kind of would destroy the isness of the experience of it. It just being. I mean, I mean more after, like like the experience is going to be the experience, you know. Well, even after, even after, yeah, you I, take guess, that I guess, yeah. and, make, and try to make sense of it, and you could put it in a box and wrap a bow mm-hmm. on it, and and in my experience. Um, that's that's not what happens. It doesn't, it wouldn't really work. But if you, if you think you're doing that, then you could then trick yourself that you're doing that. And, you know, but but like it keeps changing and morphing and, and integrating into daily life and, and how I relate to myself and to people and how open I'm able to be in relationship or, or to the world and to the pain of the world or the suffering that's going on, uh, or let go of fear. You know, I've had I've had many ayahuasca experiences of just like being beaten by Nazis and like, you know, thrown in prison for no apparent reason, but just like beat the crap out of me. Where I'm like, okay, I guess this is the Jewish part of me coming out here, mm. um, and and that's like a fear that I I didn't know I even had in my life of just like being observed and seen and thinking that someone is out to get me and if I, I gotta kind of hide, you know, mm. like make keep myself small. And hide away. And so, quickly, quickly like, can you, can you? I know it's a really hard question to answer, but can you kind of like go through what that experience is like when, when you are being like shown a vision, or like, are you actually like feeling the blows, or in a way, or is it like a, like a, like a vision <laughs> of like, 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 like I can, I could see this have, ha- have happened. Cause I mean, I can uh-huh. visualize a lot of things like in a storybook way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Can you, can like, it seems like a really hard thing to answer, but like, what was that first experience? Like, like when were you, what was that first like experience like? And then what, what did you actually like the first time feel like I, you got from it? The first time you, you took ayahuasca. I took ayahuasca. I mean, the first time, um, I went down, I drank, I didn't feel much at all. Um, and, and, you know, you do, you do it in the dark, you sit or lay and, and, um, uh, they, they, they sing, they sing to the plant and they sing for, for different reasons and for healing and for, they're called Icaros, the kind of songs that, that they sing, but, but, um, just ways to kind of help, help the plant and help you heal and go through whatever thing you need to experience and go through. So, I mean, it was, it, it tastes foul. <laughs> it's, it, it was 
a very pleasant, relaxing thing. The first time I saw no vision. Um, and I think the second time I went back for a little more, a little more. And, it, and Juan will do this weird thing where he just kind of come back, you ask him for more, you find him in the dark and, and he just kind of like, you know, he could tell he's just gauging and listening to how much he should give you. And he kind of gives that's my projection of least of what he's doing and then decides how much more to give you. Um, but literally you can go down, you can drink. Some people drink four cups and they feel nothing. And then hmm. and it's really, it's really weird that way. Like it, 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 there's no rhyme or reason that I could figure out of why it happens and when it happens and how strong it is. Like I've drank teeny bits and it's been incredibly strong and I've drank a whole lot more and, and, and felt a whole lot less. So it's triggering um, something inside of you almost more than the actual potency, unless there's just a real potent batch. I mean, I don't know. No, it's, it's, it could be a lot of, all the other people are just like, Oh my God, that was so strong. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Mm. <laughs> so it's, it's, it, it's, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. That, mm. That's, that's like why I have such a hard time talking because the, 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 yeah. the, there's a certain, just like, I just have to trust that, I'm okay. This is okay. This experience is okay. And that maybe there's a reason, maybe there's not, but I'm going to trust that there's, there's some reason. And, and I'm not going to like people, people do these things. I'm like, maybe I'm not ready for it. Maybe I haven't released my uh, deep seated hatred of my father enough yet. Maybe I'm not open enough. Um, and do these, these kind of twisting themselves and blaming themselves. So they're blame something else. And then you can, it's easy to do that, and it's much better just to be like, no, it is what it is, and I don't understand, and I'm just going to trust that it's going to that I can listen and, and experience it. But when, I mean, it's it's like everyone. I often personally, my internal landscape there is a is a is a shadow world. It's like. Um, Everything is, it's almost, it's almost a dream state, but it's, it's much more vivid. Mm. And, and some people see very vivid colors and everything is technicolor. Um, I will often start seeing that. And for some reason that didn't interest me as much. And I, I, I go to, I turn a little bit and I find a place that feels it's almost this purple um, moonlit color, almost of a, of a spirit world. And within that I could, I can, um, within that things happen, but, but like that have to do with what my intention is. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's pretty important to go in intentionally and not just be like, uh, sometimes the intention could just literally be like, uh, I'm open, show me what I need. Just, uh, I'm just wide open. Sometimes it's more just like, what is this anger about? I got so much anger. Mm. Um, and, and like, help me, help me see this more or deepen into it or understand it. Or are these it. questions that you, you've asked yourself when you're going? Did I've asked like, yeah, I've asked the plants and that's kind of been my intention. Um, for sure. Um, you know, like with mushrooms, I've had a, a um, once I had an intention of just like, I just want to feel loving and open and love and then the mushrooms are just like showed me all of my judgments instead I'm just like this is how you're not loving this is the thing that you you got to get through and then maybe you could talk about being loving but there's a whole bunch of 
things and ways that you just judge yourself and judge people and, and shut down. And, and so that was, that happens too. Like it's, it, it shows, it shows, it, it shows and makes me, me feel things that, that I, I could not cook up or dream up or expect or just like, yeah. and, and as far as feeling it, and that is a really hard question. I mean, the, the, the emotional, like sometimes it's, it's kind of, it could be agony and it could be really difficult and it could be like, you could feel writhing snakes. I felt like writhing snakes in my guts and my balls and crawling out mm-hmm. through my throat. And it's just like this, this kind of toxic swamp monster or something that, that, um, you know, uh, or, or other times I've just been so tight and it, and I'm just like not able to, to unclench my muscles because I feel like I'm going to die and something, you know, like if I, if I kind of let go or I'm not even aware, I'm just like find myself clenching up. Sometimes I get really cold often when mm. often for me, cold and fear go together. Like I'm, I'm really afraid I get really cold. And, and then often once something releases and moves, um, it, it, I will, my circulation will kind of come back and some, some, sometimes I'll be on fire. <laughs> so, so I'm working through, I'm, I'm feeling some, some kind of more fiery emotion. And, and, you know, once I was like, I think once I had the intention of just kind of like, kind of show me what my spirit is and who my spirit is. And I literally in this, in this kind of gray space, I had this big old spider <laughs> just show up in visionary space there was a spider crawling on me too. I think I, I moved it off and it looked like a spider. It was dark, but I had this spider. It was kind of like my little spirit helper. So it was just like being like, Oh my God, you can see me. You can see me. And it just was just running back and forth. So happy kind of bouncing up and down. And I was like, I'm fucking tripping, but I'm just like, but it makes sense. It totally makes sense. I'm into like making strings. I'm really into like lenses and eyes and I'm super vigilant. And I could like say, stay really still. And I like was called Spider-Man as a young speed skater and all these, I just started being like, Oh yeah, this is totally. And like at a certain point, like I must've taken on this spider kind of as like the spider vibe as a protector, you know, like how people, there there was a certain point in my life where people just stopped fucking with me. Like when I got teased as a kid, I was just a target. Like I had a target painted on me and at a certain point, I became the spider where people were like, Oh, I'm not going to fuck with you because you're whatever. You're just, uh, you're just going to, you're, you're, you're sketchy. You know, you're spidery. Yeah. They, they, they didn't, they didn't understand you anymore. They couldn't pigeonhole you in in some way that they could make fun of you. They were like, man, that guy's, that guy's, yeah. bouncing, off, that guy's bouncing off the walls now. They became a little intimidated to a certain extent. I think like I, yeah. I, I, I held that, I held that energy and held like a, a little bit of an intimidation without even knowing and trying. Huh. But then after that, like I, I went out and fasted and you could go out and stay at these um, places for weeks out in the jungle and they bring you food, which is just boiled plantains, boiled green plantains and quinoa with no salt and no oil. That helps the medicine kind of come through more clearly. You're not distracted and it, it you kind of starve and uh, you also get, get, get feels completely different with the medicine, I think. It deepens that experience, but but I was out there, 
and the spider was chilling with me. It had seven legs, and it was just there. And I was hmm. like, I was like, okay, um, all right, you're seven here. legs. Why do you say seven legs? I had seven legs. I was missing a leg. Okay. And it was a real spider, and it was like with me. I was fe- I, I remember catching a fly and feeding the fly. And then the trippy oh. thing is, I came back two years later, went to the same little tumbo. The tumbo is a little hut. You kind of do the fast and the the dieta is what they call it. You, you also drink some other plant that plant that, that uh, has different effects and different healing properties. And there was a dead seven-legged spider there. Oh, my God. It was, it was like slightly bigger, same-looking thing. I drew up at my notebook. I pulled out, and I was like, yep, right front leg, or maybe with left front leg missing. I had photos <laughs> of it, too, from the, 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 the past. And I was like, this is, I mean, maybe coincidence, but this is the same one. That was, your, I, that was your analytical brain propping up. Be like, I need evidence. I myself. He totally, yeah. totally. Like, there's no way I'm just going to take, no, there's no way. This is this is complete coincidence. I'll no. take it back as a professor. So they'll, they'll, they'll tell me I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and during the whole time there, I put the, I put the spider, I made a little altar, I put this dead spider in the jungle ants. It's the jungle, so everything eats everything real quick. And these mm-hmm. ants just came through and slowly started sucking its juices out and carrying pieces of it, of it off. As I was staying there, just like there was this release of this kind of fighter protector energy that I had or had carried around. Mm. That's cool. Um, yeah, that, was, that, that seems like a really good experience. And uh, I was going to ask you to tell me an experience, and you just did. So it seems like a good one. <laughs> like like some lesson that you learned or some healing that happened from it. I'm sure there's been a lot. What would you say the most healing thing has been for you taking ayahuasca? I mean, there's a way. I think I've I've um, I've softened mm. and let go of control, uh, and with it, a certain amount of fear and a certain amount of. Um, um, kind of need to um, to be aware of everything that's going on and be hypervigilant and be uh, completely self-sufficient. Um, and so there's the, and, and also just like with it comes a trust in, in specifically for me, like I am committed and, my allegiance lies with biology and with flesh and with nature and with plants. And like, I'm like, that's in a, in a tech driven world where I'm also very aware of tech and I'm like, have a, I just got off the phone actually with my friend who first introduced me to cryptocurrencies and, and talking to him about his experience and, and about what, what that is like. And also me being like, you know, I, I have an interesting relationship to tech here because I notice how unhappy it makes me. And, and how um, it's not where my heart lies. Like my heart lies in, in touching humans and touching physical space and being embodied. And that's kind of um, what I've what I've came through a little bit through ayahuasca is just like 
this is where we don't have to invent um, new, deeper ways of consciousness. Like the consciousness of this plant is incredible and beyond my even understanding and to even conceptualize it as, as a consciousness is pretty far from kind of how I've been taught in a very scientific, linear, observable fact Western education. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's made me a little more woo-woo. Uh, <laughs> funny, more. I always thought you were so woo-woo, Daniel. <laughs> well, I hid that part. I hid that part of myself. But and I've also yeah. I also have I a pretty heavy dose of skepticism. I hid it from myself. Yeah. You know, everyone else probably saw it. But I, I, yeah, I, I also I also have skepticism, and I'm also like, but actually, how do you know that for a fact? And, mm. and I and I'm like, but and look at this ayahuasca cult and the weird, sexy, fucked up shit they do. It is led by this, you know, egomaniacal white dude. Uh, like yeah. no, this is not good. Yeah, I <laughs> but, feel like there's always there's always some dark side of most things in life. You know, we're talking about like like you're in love with straddling the metaphysical and the physical realm, and then you know physics is you know always you know how things. <laughs> that's my early education. That's my early yeah. You know, that's my primary formative Swedish years. Yeah, but like, it's, it's predictable. That's the thing. That's what bores. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. bores a lot of people that um, don't like predictability. They can't handle it. You know, they, oh, they totally. Other stuff. They need something. You know, like they need alters, and they need <laughs> things in their life. And that's just how life is for a lot of people. And I feel like it's important. I feel like it's one of the most important things. Off, like being able to be aware of your mind and how you fit in the world is like a number one it's like so hard to do anything else when you're not okay with who you are and where you like you know it's just there's so so many cards to play in life and so many cards that you have and you don't even realize that you have when to play them and then you realize oh i should have played it this way and that way and then and then you can get all kind of crazy and it's like basic things of life are um, you know, so uh, like infinite and so simple. At the same time, I think th- th- those are what mm-hmm. like people go. People go to the like trying to ask a question mm-hmm. and ask a question and ask a question. And I think most of the time when they come to the conclusion of their que- question, it's the most simple answer. It's like, oh, stop! Is this <laughs> so much? You know, it's like the wabi, the wabi sabi lifestyle you know of where it's like you have to have the good and the bad it's just you know that's how it is yeah yeah and, 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 the, and the level of acceptance of 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 the the way to um take the the duality and the dual com the dual concepts that we have been taught that like it's either good or bad, and they don't mm-hmm. coexist, and they can't coexist, and they negate each other. But to take those as you know, draw the circle around both of them, and like they're they exist <laughs> together, <laughs> and that's and, and how to hold that, and what that means, and and how to dis what do you call that? Disintegrate, detangle, undo, undo, yeah. do, undo du, duality, and seeing the world as a either or kind of way yeah yeah i've always looked at like 
like that whole thing, like, you know, two sides of a coin. Like, yeah, there's two sides of a coin, but we actually are the middle, you know. The middle is, is where it's at. It's not the uh-huh. two sides of the coin, you know. Yeah. Like, you have, you have to look at the actual one side of the coin to see what it is. But from the middle, you know what the outside is already. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to go look. It's yeah. out there. So it's like, that's kind of like, I, I've always heard that David, like, oh, yeah, two sides of a coin. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But I think we're actually just living in the middle. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah and then and then you know i tended to definitely swing back and forth like yeah. everything is fucked everything's amazing or like yeah. i'm such a piece of shit or i'm fucking amazing you know yeah but it's 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 finding that balance and and um you know that's what i want to interview about ayahuasca it's like yeah people go oh, about drugs and whatever but it's like i feel like there's there's ways of like like I'm doing this Wim Hof breathing method. Oh, cool! Right? And I've been doing it pretty 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 religiously lately, and I can definitely tell you for sure it it alters your state to the point mm-hmm. where it's like you know like I love mushrooms too, I, you know, and I want to do them, but it kind of reminds me of that of like state where you're just you're so warm and tingly everywhere in your chest, mm-hmm. and you're so conscious, and your spine is like ooh, and you huh. go you when you're doing that breathing method, you you go through flows of it because you're you, know, you can check it out um but yeah it's no i, I mean the, i think like we can get to these states we're talking about without any drugs but i think absolutely going into them with the right teacher and the right person absolutely and, and it, it, you can you can tear through a lot of things in life and you can you know we're just trying to figure out how to get to a good equilibrium where we can all get along with ourselves <laughs> Mostly, yeah. start with. You know? Yeah, if we get along with ourselves, well, I think we'll. The rest of it's so much yeah. easier. I, I, I'm, I'm much nicer to people when I'm, you know, vibing on my own life. You know. Oh fuck yeah. So I think that that's a lot of what you know, the journeys down there have been about. Because I know you don't just run around doing drugs and stuff. <laughs> you know? That's not you. <laughs> No, but you take things seriously, and and I and and I appreciate you taking the time to talk about this. Kind of wrap it up a bit, but and you know all the other stuff you uh got into too. So yeah, I've been running my mouth for a while here. I hope that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. We'll say we'll we'll get off now, and uh, you know I can tighten it up a little bit. All right, where you could edit out. Yeah, a little bit. Dead, so yeah, I mean yeah. Like thanks thanks a lot for uh for uh, being curious and taking yeah. the time and you know, nailing me down to to do this. Yeah. I mean actually the the last question I ask, so I, I do have to ask it and it's um what do you consider the your purpose in life, Daniel Nielsen? I mean the first thing that came was surrender. <laughs> Your purpose is to surrender. Yeah. Sounds religious. Are you religious? Uh, spiritual. Spiritual. I haven't found a, a religion that, that I, I like the the rituals and the what it's turned into generally. There's a lot, yeah. of, there's a lot of deep spirit, spiritual truths in a lot of um, religious texts. Uh, not that I've necessarily bothered reading them, but I hear about it. <laughs> I read the quotes that are taken out of context to some really nice. But no, it's it's like the, it, talking about it in a 
and a surrendering this um, ego, basically. Yeah, um, and liberation. We're all actually here doing, and the liberation in that. Liberation, just like the liberation in that, in in the surrender, in, yeah, in, in the like, surrender, yeah. Like like when that that is one of the things that went like when I get really caught up in, in ego and this is me and I am this and this is how I do things and this is what is important and all of this and and thinking about the future or thinking about the past but definitely not being present and what's going on in the moment. Uh, then that's well sometimes the time when like you know, in the past, at least mushrooms or a little bit of mushrooms that helped me being like, Oh wait, dissolve the shit out of that stuff. And I am, I still exist. I still, I'm still conscious. I'm still, I'm just not this, this construct of an ego. Yeah. I'm um, not all of these thoughts that are running through my head that convinced me yeah. to feel this way this morning. It's not true. It's not. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and surrendering to the moment, you know, like Eckhart Tolle is, is I always thought, he has that Be Here Now book. I was yeah. like, oh, that's just a fad. It's just one of those self-help books. And I was like, oh, this is really amazingly deep. Oh, no, I care. Oh. I like his stuff a lot. I feel, I, I feel like when you say that surrender, it, I, I I keep picturing you with that kid out there in that moment. And that's mm. about to me, you know? Oh, like cool. You guys just were surrendering to that moment. Uh-huh. And so did he. And And you were, like, channeling that, you know? You were like, okay. Because I know how you are. Like, you're a good energy to sit with. You're a healing energy to sit with. And uh, I can see how you were good at that job. And that moment would have been a very surrendering moment. Very beautiful. Thanks for saying that. Like, because of my internal monologue and ego is is definitely very hard on myself. Like, in my mind, I was pretty horrible at that job. (laughs) And I've toyed with the idea of, like, going into healing and, and, and... holding that space for people, but always been like, I'm really bad at it. I'm, I'm shying away from it. Mm-hmm. Like, like art school happened because I was in therapy school and, and kind of like, eh, no, I'm going to go do cool art instead. But, but so like, I really appreciate that, that, that feedback or that kind of reflection of, of how you see me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, totally true i mean it, it, it's really interesting to hear you you know say that because i feel like you must have been so good at that job because i'm like he's such a good i would i'd want to be out there in the woods with you if i was a messed up kid i'd be like yeah <laughs> let's let's go with daniel i think i i think i, I you know i definitely drove myself think, nuts by thinking that i was bad on that job <laughs> yeah i think well it, it's like yeah it's like you know like i can see that you're good at it and it's hard for it's like yes yeah, it's, it's it's easy for us to pick ourselves apart um, yeah, and be blind. Uh, yeah, and be blind to our, our, our things that we're really good at. And sometimes we got to go ask people, hey, what am I good at? Oh, you're good yeah. at this. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. I'm good at that. No, I know. Yeah. Well, I guess I have, to, I have to ask you that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I think everyone in general, you, gotta, you know. You know. So, anyways, um, yeah, I think mean, that's a good purpose. I like that. One one answer, surrender. Yeah, it's 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 fucking deep. It's scary. It is. It's it's the beginning of, you know, change. So thank you so much for taking the time and, you know, talking to me. All right. Hey, thank, thank you so much for uh, listening to me and taking your time, too.
Yep. I'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. All right. Take care, Daniel. Take care. Bye.